used to call me on my cell phone. I listen to this song when I'm trying to work. Whatever you think about Drake or Hotline Bling, this helps me get stuff done. And you know what? Science is on my side. Research has found songs like this with around 135 beats per minute helps tired employees stay alert. We're talking about listening to music at work. This is Game Plan. Rebecca Greenfield. And I'm Francesca Levy. And this week we're talking about music at work and how we listen to it, which I think for a lot of us, it's just another part of our morning. Like you turn on your computer, you open up Spotify and you put on your favorite playlist and then you answer some emails. Yeah, you really. You just take it for granted that music's kind of going to be a small but constant part of your day. But for me and a lot of people, and even without noticing it, music helps us get our work done. It's become this necessary productivity hack, for lack of a better term. And as I mentioned before, there is a lot of research showing that music does help with worker productivity. There was a pretty well-known study of all these information technology workers. So they were doing not just mindless work. People who had control over the music in their headphones were more creative, got more work done, and they were happier. Yeah, it sounds like there's an element of shutting out distraction with music, but then there's also the need to use certain types of music like music you emotionally connect with to actually pump you up and power you through your job the same way you would power through a workout using your workout mix. Yeah, I'm very emotionally connected to that Drake song. (laughs) Yeah, so there's a whole science around how how we listen to music at work and what kind of music is best for certain kinds of tasks. But when I think about music and workplaces, I think about stores like retail environments where you walk in and music is just blasting, sometimes really loud. And I always wonder, what's it like to work in that environment from start to finish of your day? Um, So I actually walked around to a few different chains and asked store employees how they felt about the music that was playing. So how would you describe the music that plays? It's geared towards, to me, a younger audience. I don't particularly like the music. Music that plays is pretty decent. Um, a lot of it, I listening to the music, I've actually created my own playlist on Spotify using the music that I hear from here. It gets annoying after a while, but I tend to block it out after a couple of hours. Does it ever get annoying to hear music play? It does when sometimes the station breaks and you hear the same song 25 times in a row. I tend to ignore it after a while. Yeah. It tends to after a while it kind of blends in with your, yeah. what your daily routine is. It would be better if I had control over the music, yeah. What would be playing in your ideal world? <laughs> Nothing? Um, probably Beyonce or Rihanna. <laughs> so people had mixed feelings about that. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the most common coping mechanism was shut it out to, and just get used to it, and it becomes kind of background noise. But also sometimes people, like, let it affect their work and danced and sang along. Which isn't exactly the same kind of productivity boost we're seeing with office workers. But that's not really the point for stores, right? Right. Like the productivity that the store is hoping to get is from getting more customers to buy clothing because they're so inspired by the music or to stay in the store longer. Like that's what the the store is trying to drive. Yeah, there's a there's a reason music is playing in the store and it doesn't have anything to do, I think, with whether employees are happy about it. It's like you're setting a scene, you're trying to give customers a certain vibe and one type of store, it might be 
cool, tranquil, calm music. And in another store, it might be like pump you up music. But there's a there's a real design behind it. And it's all about getting customers to buy stuff. These retail companies are using music to drive a certain culture in their stores in a way that corporate offices don't think about. There's no music playing in your office. Yeah, or no customers walking in and no out. No customers walking in and out. Or at least in most offices, there aren't. But as it turns out, there are actually companies that are doing this. They are playing music out loud in the open office for the workers, hoping to create some sort of culture. I went to one of those offices to check out what that's like. Kyle Monson, the CEO and founder of Codeword, a PR and branding agency in Manhattan, wanted to change the culture in his office. Things were too quiet. Like many workers in modern offices, people kept their voices down and popped in their earbuds, trying to escape the inhumanities of the open floor plan. Monson wanted a livelier office, so he installed a Sonos speaker system. Now, when you walk into Codeword, it, it looks like a typical startup office. There are hardwood floors and young people at desks hard at work on their Macs. But unlike other offices, there's music, like Depeche Mode's I Just Can't Get Enough, playing over the loudspeakers. Here's Kyle, the CEO, explaining his strategy behind music in the office. You know, with the open floor plan office, and, you know, we're in a creative industry, we sort of have to have sound in the background. Um, so music plays an important role. Because we don't have phones on our desk, you know, there's no, like, ringing phones or typewriters or... If there's no music, it's just very quiet in there. It's a little awkward. But opening up a group of people with different musical tastes and working styles isn't that easy. Not everyone is going to agree on the musical selection. Some people want intense music. Other people want songs without words. Others want complete silence. It's always just stuff like I need to like a steady beat. And I have a hard time if I'm actually writing. I can't listen to stuff with lyrics. I definitely, I wish I could use it more to like introduce everyone else to like stuff I might be listening to, but I, but I don't ever want to be like, what is this new crap? What is this? I don't like this. And I don't want people to think that about what I listen to either. So I usually don't that much. That was Austin Johansson, an assistant editor at Codeword. Kyle, the CEO, knew he was going to have to do some work to keep people interested in the office music experiment. So to keep the beast, he came up with the Ten Commandments of Sonos. Number one, anyone can access and play their music at any time. Number two, everyone can control the Sonos from their desktop or mobile app. Number three, feel free Number to adjust four, the volume. Feel free to claim your, your songs in the Sonos app or in Spotify. Express yourself. Variety you is like the spice of life. Music, introduce play us those to deep it. cuts Number and full nine. albums. Act Number like eight, people that said who appreciate extreme music genres and each other. like your Swedish speed metal playlist might not last long. Number ten. All other rules will be resisted. These commandments are intended to keep everyone happy and also keep everyone involved. Remember, this is about corporate culture. It's not very culture building if people ignore the sound system and don't participate. To hear Kyle talk about it, the system works great. You just yell out to your coworkers that you're skipping their favorite songs and it's totally fine and not embarrassing at all that their choice got overruled. Obviously, it's not that simple. Sometimes people have to listen to music they don't like for fear of offending their coworkers. 
New employees are too scared to touch the playlist. Others are more cavalier and have banded together to get entire genres like hip-hop or punk banned before noon. Those movements failed, but unhappy employees have one final option. For the really hated and overplayed song, Sonos has a banned songs list, which includes loathed coffee shop earworms like Hey Ho by the Lumineers and Californication by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But even getting a song on that list can be fraught. I was part of the movement to ban a couple songs. What'd you ban? Uh, someone tapped into I wanted to ban Californication. I unsuccessfully tried to ban Santa Rita. I hate <laughs> that song. It's that people hum the guitar solo. That's the worst part, I think. That was Austin again. His favorite music, by the way, is hip-hop. On a given day, most people don't touch the music. Vicki Jacobson, the editorial director at Codeword, is the first person to get in, and she puts on WFUV, a contemporary indie rock station that plays inoffensive artists like Ryan Adams and Nico Case. Some days that plays all day. On others, the music shifts to match the weather or the mood. When Beyonce's Lemonade dropped, that played all day on repeat. Most employees, though, proceed with caution. Here's Mike Barish, a senior editor at Codeword. More often than not, uh, it's like a sociology experiment. Like, everybody wants it. Like, no one calls 911 because they assume somebody else is going to call 911. It's like no one changes the music because they figure, like, surely after this sad song, somebody's going to make it up beat again. And I'm not saying the stakes are as high, <laughs> but it's close. A lot of politics around the music that plays at Codeword, and it sounds like it's kind of ongoing. But as that employee Mike said at the very end, it's it's a pretty low stakes environment. But there's a very high stakes environment where you might be surprised coworkers also often listen to music, and that is operating rooms. Yeah, I did not know this until my dad, who's a surgeon, heard an episode of ours where we mentioned music at work and he said that it's a, a big deal and people play music in the operating room and I had no idea. Well, I knew that because I remembered old episodes of ER. where yeah, like they like would... banned in my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet your dad has all kinds of issues with the reality of ER. But one thing they apparently got right is that the surgeon gets to decide if he wants music to play and then pick the music. Yeah, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, so we called your dad because we wanted to hear more about that. Saul Greenfield is a pediatric urologist, and he has some thoughts about music in the OR. So, Dr. Greenfield, how long have you been uh, a surgeon? Oh, uh, over 35 years. And in that time, um, have you has it always been the case that music has been played in some ORs, or is that a fairly new thing? No, no. It's always been the case that some, sometimes music's been played, been played in operating rooms, yes. How did they do it in the olden days? <laughs> they had cassettes. They had radios. Uh, you know, mainly I think tape decks was probably, you know, they'd set up a boom box uh, in the old days in an OR with a tape deck and a cassette. But now it's very much easier because people will put uh, uh, an iPhone in a docking station uh, or connected to two small speakers, uh, something of that nature. So it's a lot more portable, a lot smaller, and music is a lot more accessible through websites like Pandora. So in your operating room, 
there's usually no music, right? No, no. I don't like I don't like music in the operating room, uh, and I've never never had it on a regular basis. I, and, and when people have wanted to play music, I've asked them not to. Why don't you like it? Because it can be distracting. There's a certain noise level that could be present. I mean, you could play music that's soft or low volume, but there's a certain noise level at present, like I, I can't hear what people say to me and vice versa. What are some of the explanations you've heard for, from people who do like it? Well, uh, first of all, it, it's controversial, you know. There are people who find that music is bad, and there are people who find that music is good. There are supposed to be advantages to patients sometimes. It could calm them when they're in the operating room before they go to sleep. There's some information that it may even help them with post-operative pain. Uh, it may cause the whole operating room to be more relaxed in its atmosphere, and maybe that would be more helpful. But a lot of people say it's soothing and actually conducive to the atmosphere in the operating room. So that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is that it's a distraction. And in fact, uh, because it's a distraction, can actually be dangerous, that maybe there are more complications sometimes. So uh, that's the other side of the coin. I think also that if people are doing operations that are repetitive, sort of, you know, the same thing over and over again with little variation, then maybe music is more, uh, more uh, conducive to the whole, the whole atmosphere. On the other hand, if you're doing things that are not the same over and over again and you really have to think about what your next step is, then music may be disruptive. And that's the kind of surgery you're doing normally? Yeah, I don't, well, it's, it's a mixture, actually. Some of the things I do are very repetitive and rote, and some of them aren't. Um, I think the noise level issue, though, is because, uh, I, I, you know, you wear a mask, and, and oftentimes I'll say something to the nurse, and they'll say, what? <laughs> <laughs> so they don't hear me, and with more noise, they may have a harder time hearing me. It's not the end of the world, but it's a little annoying. That sounds like a real issue. I guess um, the person who decides the music is re- is usually the surgeon, right? Like the you're the boss of the OR. Yes, the surgeon. yes. The surgeon decides on the music, definitely. Anesthesiologists usually don't. I've never seen that. Uh, by the way, there's also some information that anesthesiologists and their work are harmed by m- more noise from music because they have to listen to beeps and all kinds of hints from their machine and sometimes that could be masked by the music if it's too loud. That's so interesting to hear you say, because I was just wondering if you're an anesthesiologist or just somebody else on the team who doesn't have a say in whether music is played or not. Like, do people ever speak up and say, listen, this is going to be really it's going to be really hard for me to concentrate on my job if there's music playing? Well, I, I, I can't tell you because I don't have music in my operating room. So I've never had an anesthesiologist or someone else say, don't do it. But maybe uh, anything's possible. Uh, um, although I have to say, I, my, my, my colleague in, in my department plays music all the time. Uh, and uh, he plays classical music, which has been recommended by some people because it's soothing and low volume. But uh, to my knowledge, no one's ever told him to stop playing. Anesthesiologists have not told him to stop playing. You were telling me that sometimes you play music. Well, sometimes I give in. They're, they're <laughs> around Christmas time, you know, there, uh, there are a lot of carols and Christmas-type music that uh, sort of set the atmosphere for the holiday. 
And uh, there are times when, um, yes, I'll, I'll say, oh, okay, let's play that music for a little while. But that's the only time I can remember. Uh, you know, I don't want to seem like too much of a Scrooge, even right. though I, I might be <laughs> thought of that way. Not a huge surprise to me, but yes, my dad falls on the no music side of the operating room spectrum. But just the fact that he has to think about it, which I didn't even know, shows that music is a ubiquitous and big part of a lot of working people's lives. Yeah, and I bet that's true for our listeners, too. Guys, do you feel this way? Is music a huge part of your work life? And if you have one go-to song that you always put on when you need to get something done, tweet it at us. We'll make a Spotify playlist out of the best ones and include it in next week's newsletter, which you can subscribe to at Bloomberg.com slash newsletters. And now it's time for Half Big Takes. Half Big Takes. You can call in to our hotline and leave your own half big take at 212-617-0166. This week, we have a caller from New York. Hi, this is Molly from New York. I have a half big take for you guys. I think that the question, how is your weekend on a Monday, should be banned from all workplaces. I think it's implied that nobody really wants to get into it. If you do want to get into it, you will. Um Otherwise, you're just going to say good. I walk into the office dreading uh, saying it to all my colleagues, but feeling rude if I don't. Um, and no one ever says anything um, that descriptive or satisfying, and neither do I. Um, so I think it should be banned. I think we just move on. And if you have something to say, you'll say it. And if you don't, then it's all that pressure is off. Um, so thank you guys for letting me share that. Have a good day. I have such mixed feelings about this. She's totally right. Like, no, you don't really care what somebody else did on on their weekend. But I don't know how to start the day on a Monday without asking that question. Also, I I care about some people's weekends is the thing. So oh, I have a I have a possible solution to, to this. Yeah, go. I used to do this when I ran weekly meetings. Um, just say, did you see any movies this weekend? Great. Good icebreaker. It's like a specific question. You either did it or you didn't. You don't have to get into a bunch of, oh, well, I was going to fix my storm drain and then I I remember when you used to do that yeah anyway Francesca what is your not fully baked idea that you'd like to share I feel pretty passionate about this one and a lot of people might disagree because a lot of people some of them in this room do this but I think you should just you should never play devil's advocate in a conversation about something in a debate at work in a brainstorming session whatever don't say Let me play devil's advocate here for a second. Just say what you think. Because if you're playing devil's advocate, you're either trying to get away with saying something kind of crappy, but like not put it in your own words or an unpopular opinion that you don't want to take ownership of, or you're just being a troll. Mm, Yeah, I think being a troll is just in my DNA. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, say the unpopular thing. You know, if you disagree with someone, say... I don't look at it that way. But But sometimes I don't look at it that way. And I think we need to explore all sides of the dice. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. It feels a little bit like. I get that the phrase. The phrase. Yeah. I'm playing devil's advocate. It's a little patronizing. Yeah. It's also that does separate you from actually playing devil's advocate. You're like, I'm just playing the part. Yeah. I'm not actually. So play devil's advocate, but don't say you're playing devil's advocate. Becca, what's your half big take? I would like to debunk a myth. That succulents are easy plants. (laughs) 
I have an aloe plant on my desk, so this is very work related. But yeah, I feel like you have a few. You have I have a bunch of plants, succulents. but aloe's no, oh. aloe's the only one. And I'm pretty good with plants, and people are always saying, "Oh my god, yes, yeah, succulents! You can't. They're so hard to kill. Succulents are like cat." Cacti, yeah, they're like, desert plants. Oh, okay. They're so they're plants that don't need a lot of water. Yes, but they need a lot of sunlight, and you do have to water them sometimes. And I think people just neglect them, and then they they die. Yeah. So they're actually kind of hard. Succulents are hard. Don't feel bad if you've killed a succulent because they're not easy plants. Yeah. Two things about this. Um, so they they probably are harder to kill, but people especially in a workplace environment, probably hear hard to kill and think impossible to kill. Yeah. And that just means you never. Yeah. And that's definitely something I would do because the second thing is I, I successfully killed an aloe plant once in my apartment. The way I did it was I sat it on top of a radiator that then turned on and that boiled the aloe, aloe plant. So you can, you can kill an aloe plant. All right. Plant murder over here. Yeah. Sorry. I, I repent. And this has been Half Big Takes. Thank you for listening to another episode of Game Plan. You can find me on Twitter at RZ Greenfield. And I'm at Francesca Today. If you like the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave a review or subscribe. We love hearing from you. The show is produced by Liz Smith and Magnus Henriksen. Head of podcasts is Alec McCabe. See you next week. Well, I tell you, tell you, Becca's nickname when she was little was "By Myself Becca." <laughs> no, because I like doing things independently, not because I was a loner. Oh, that's no, 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 the cutest right. thing I've ever heard in my life.